0: I think again, going back to understanding that everyone learns differently. I mean, I just think that when teachers really, really get that, um, they are just—it's just such a difference in in these kids' lives. And you know, understanding how you learn, and I try and teach my kids that. You know, having them understand that, and when they when they get that and they can figure out how they do that, I mean, it's just so much easier for them when they're not struggling. You know, trying to figure out how to learn.
1: And here we are. On today's show, we have Miss Jamie Elman. Jamie is an educator with Johnson High School in Texas and she began her teaching career over 25 years ago. So Jamie, we're so glad to have you on the show. My name is Cam and it's my pleasure to be joined by Mr. Brendan Kells as well. Jamie, how are you today?
0: <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. I'm happy to be here with you. I One of my favorite things is talking about all the cool stuff I do in my classroom. So this is perfect. I love sharing
2: what I do. Awesome. Um, well, Jamie, I, um, I'm happy to have you here and, and sort of hear all about your approach in the classroom. One thing that really sticks out to me, I, uh, I myself was a, a classroom educator for 14 years um, as well. Um, and I started in 2006. And just in that time period, I saw an evolution <clears throat> in how students are sort of consuming information, but Mm -hmm. you started your teaching career even before that, I think 1995 (laughs) I read. Uh, So I I think the first thing I would love to hear is what you've seen as, as a part of that evolution of how students consume information in the classroom and how that has changed over the course of the time period that you've been in front of students teaching.
0: It's been crazy how things have changed over time, but I think What's really helped me is that I personally have, and you know, I call I call my students my kids, so it's so funny because I'll say my kids and my students in here look at me and say, "Wait, your two kids are our ki- Us. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever knows who I'm talking about. Right. So, my I have my own two children, are 22 and 19. So, I think that that's really helped me as a teacher because I get to have those teenagers in, you know, living with me and seeing how they work, how they process things, how they learn best and what interests them. You know, they're, we're very close. And so they're able to tell me like, this class is boring. And I, you know, want to know why is it boring? Like, and they see the things. So then I, I take that into my own classroom. I really make sure that we have, you know, we teach on a block schedule. I want my kids to be engaged. You know, I walk by classrooms sometimes and kids are on their phones or their heads are down. And, you know, not not to say, you know, sometimes they may be dumb with what they're doing, but like for me, that's like my biggest pet peeve. I want my kids to be in here engaged, learning bell to bell. So it's exhausting, but I make sure that we have anywhere from three to five different activities every day just to keep them, you know, we go from one thing to another and it keeps them so they're not, you know, having a kid bored is like, I just don't ever want that. So I think I've just really tried to keep up with things and I keep up with pop culture and I have Instagram. I love looking at TikTok, you know, and that's how kids learn things. And so I try and incorporate that into my classroom as best as possible. So even though I've been doing this for a long time, I have evolved as well as a teacher. Every year I do something new. I never do the same thing over and over and over. because. That bores me as a teacher too. (laughs) Sure. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Cool. Just hearing you speak of of how you approach. I I know know what you mean by block schedule, by the way, because that's what I I taught on a block schedule. Is is eighty minute classes.
0: I personally, for how I teach, it's awesome because ninety minutes, I get to have a bell ringer, do an activity, maybe take a break and watch CNN student news. I. Carla Zeus. Hello. I love you. Um, <laughs> shout out to him. Yeah. He's my, he, I love him. I, I don't know how much you guys watch that show, but my kids, that's always our little brain break. And then it's cool. Cause it gives us, you know, tells us what's going on in the world. And then I like to relate that to what things that we're doing in class. And then sometimes I give them time to be able to get work done. So I feel like kids get, are able to not be overloaded with homework on a block schedule because they have that time kind of built in where you can give them time to get some work done so i love block schedules
2: (laughs) yeah yeah that's great i mean i love just the sort of like window that you just gave us into your classroom a little bit too Um, (laughs) i i do want to shift gears for a second though i something i'm very curious about Mm -hmm. especially for somebody who's taught in multiple states because i was all i was only in massachusetts i'm curious about content about how how you make content choices how much Mm -hmm. like flexibility you feel like you've had in that? And Mm -hmm. if that's been different from school to school for you?
0: So in Colorado, um, I taught, let me think about this. So when I first started teaching, I taught English and social studies. That was when standards, we started writing standards. I was kind of yeah. That year in 1995 through 2000, I, during the summer, would I worked with all kinds of teachers helping create the state standard. So I've always been really involved in that content part of it, you know, figuring out what it is that needs to be covered. Um, and yeah, there's definitely flexibility. I will say the way that Texas and this school district is different, and it's been really nice for me, we get... Um, very paced out calendars that tell us, you know, we get to have some say in it, but we have our units. And then when, I mean, literally when they need to be covered. And so it's pretty specific in terms of when, you know, how our units are paced out. But in terms of the actual content, like how we teach it, we get to, I mean, here at this school in particular, we have major grades and daily grades. And so our major grades make up 60% of their grade and we have to have at least three major grades those have to be agreed upon in our plc's with the other teachers so we collaborate i mean weekly daily we all make sure that we're doing you know the big stuff and the tests how we deliver it that's where it's totally up to us and we're very different in that i mean some of the teachers love lecturing and 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 are really into that and that's it's always been that way i some people are so good at that and love that Mm -hmm. and i'm good at it and i love it but i as a learner for me personally that's not how i learn best so i don't do too much of that because uh, teenagers, these kids can't sit there and listen to you talk about stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's they really want to be, I'd love to ask you,
1: <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you have your students use CNN student news. Yes. Hey, not every teacher brings current events into the classroom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm curious, you know, to ask you and for you to share this advice with any educators, you know, who, who may be listening to this, what are some kind of, you know, rules of thumbs. How do you approach sensitive conversations that, you know, revolve around different current events issues? And
0: Yeah. So I think that, I think it helps, first of all, that I'm older. (laughs) I know that sounds silly, but there's a part of me, I think that it's easy for me to come in here and look at these kids and say, listen, first and foremost, I mean, I set ground rules from day one. When you're in here, we respect each other. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different ideas. And, you know, and especially where I'm starting, you know, last fall teaching when we're in the midst of a pretty pretty crazy presidential election. Um, I really, I have never, my kids couldn't tell you who I voted for and, and who I side with or anything like that. I really, really tried um, for me to stay away from, and it's not that I don't like having those conversations, we do, but I try and be as unbiased as possible. And I think if the kids feel like they are safe and are and respected. Um, those basic ground rules, I think that makes a world of difference in terms of having those conversations, you know, but I spent a lot of time, we actually did a really cool activity for the civil rights movement. Um, and it was, I don't know if either of you saw the oatmeal comic that was about, um, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. And if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's really cool. And it, it gets the kids thinking about um, learning information that goes against you know, kind of like where your core beliefs stand. Mm -hmm. And like, how does that make you feel? And like, I talk about that a lot with them. We all have our ideas and core beliefs based on our families, you know, and as you grow older, you are around other people's ideas and opinions more. And you know, that's how you learn, (laughs) you know, when you're around other people. So I just I don't know, I I try not to get into any kind of major heavy conversations like that, but we talk about a lot of things and I just let them know that you need to be kind and respectful. You know, I have a couple of kids who say things and I'm just like, mm mm, we don't know, nope, we don't go there. <laughs> we're not going yeah. there. It's too easy. It's, it's too easy to get caught up in some pretty heavy uh, conversations, I think, <laughs> right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know a lot sure. of teachers will just avoid current events.
0: Uh, no, no. Yeah. I love it. I mean, and that's why I feel like being able to show that little 10 minute clip of CNN. And it, it, they do such a good job with it. You know, they really cover some really important things. And then I, because I used to teach English, a lot of times I really like some of the terms or vocab. And I always tie that into, I try and make it relatable. Like, look, this has been an issue since For hundreds of years, like, look, we're still having this problem. And I actually, we had just been talking about Martin Luther King and his daughter posted um, something on Twitter, and she talked about, you know, she said Jim Crow, and there was a picture of them signing in that. And I, I just showed that to them because I was like, isn't this interesting? You know, this is what we're talking about. This is what we've been talking about, and this is how some people feel about this. And I asked them, I said, do you see the painting? You know, in the back of that room where they're signing this. And I said, Isn't that interesting? And I said, do You know, do, what is that? And they were all like, Is that a plantation? You know, so it was that led to a really interesting conversation. And I'm like, This, yeah, our history, you guys think that history sometimes is boring or it's not relatable. I said, But it's, we are still hundreds of years later after we've learned so much information, there's still so much going on in our world. And, you know, I just, I want my kids to understand why there are people who are angry and, you know, unhappy and, What? Where? Where do we get to this point in our life? So
2: yeah, and I think that current events is frequently the pathway to that, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's it's the shortcut to engagement, right? Engagement is really the issue once you've interjected current events, where you then have conversations about, all right, how do we manage this and model how to have an appropriate conversation about it. One of the things I always used to think about and struggle with, and I'm wondering if you have any insight into this, just teacher to teacher, Mm -hmm. was empathy, like Mm -hmm. how to, if it can be taught explicitly Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and if it can be really assessed or if it's just something that like needs to happen through experience. I'm wondering if you have any insight into that and if you've experienced it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think probably the way that I try and address that and get that angle is by in almost every unit, um, there, there are, whether we're watching a video where there's someone who has been personally impacted by something, or we're reading, um, you know, primary source documents from people who are involved in these situations. For me this year, just the way that everything worked, it was so great because we could put together such cool activities for them to do, where they're just, they're reading more than just facts and dates and this is what's happened like i add in those elements of being able to really um, you know get those secondary sources from and second and primary but from people who are in those you know the things that we're learning about so they hear they get that they get those they get to hear how people felt um, you know when you're talking reading about i mean when we did like the holocaust they watched, you know, Holocaust survivors and, and, and talk about their experience, um, and just even a one video or two videos like that, where they're actually listening to someone who is there talk about this. It, it just, I think, it's so impactful.
2: As you were talking, one of the things I was thinking about this was because I haven't been in a classroom in a year, but um, the last time that I was, and this was a, a just a a refrain for me that I struggled with, had to do with a reading like engaging with a text, because mm-hmm. it's like, if I could get you to do that, the end result, like the payoff at the end of it is so valuable, yeah. but there's such a resistance to like the written word. And and so, you know, I always found myself defaulting to videos and so on, but at a certain point, it's like, we got, this is a skill. This is like a really yeah. important skill for Absolutely. you to be able to access it. I don't know if you've struggled with that at all or seen that in students too.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why, um, can I share my screen with you again? Yeah, I'll show you a couple So one of the things that we do also in the school district is we have the DBQ project and it's cool because, you know, here they are. So, and this is my crazy stuff that I have them do. I like to, I think annotating is such an important skill. And I teach my kids, listen, if you annotate, you know, anything that I give you in the way that I show you how to do this, you can read anything. And so it's so basic. So it's like highlight the keywords, circle words, you don't know, use the lines and they chunk it. And then, they, you know, number the paragraphs and then they summarize each paragraph in 10 words or less. Super easy. And it's so funny to me because if you just gave this to them to read it, they'd read it and not get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but this is doable. Like this is a page. I kind of keep things short and sweet and to the point and make sure that it's the information that I want them to get. Like this um, 9-11, oh, this this is really cool. So this is what they were doing this week, they just did this on Monday. So here's my biggest thing, this is how I teach. I tell my kids, the best way we learn information is to hear it, see it, say it, do it. So you see it, you know, and if they hit their videos, they're gonna hear it, they say it, if we're talking about it, they're reading it, and then they're physically like actually doing things on here. And then they read through different headlines from all over the world, um, you know, talked about the memorials. So again, this, I mean, how can you not have empathy for this? And then this is perfect for what you asked earlier. The last thing that they do on here is they click on this padlet and yeah. they're, they're writing, they wrote, con- and then I can I told them I'm going to share this with the 9-11 museum. And I mean, look at that. Like, it yeah. actually was making me cry yesterday reading some of the things that they were writing.
1: So powerful. I would have loved to have been in, in one of your classes. <laughs> it's like some people can be visual learners, auditory yeah. learners. You've got you got it all wrapped yeah. up.
0: Yeah, and, absolutely. And
1: Jamie, this has been awesome. So insightful and like my mind is spinning just hearing all of that you've shared. So thank you. I have one final question for you before we wrap sure. this up. So, I, I love the statement, the greatest teachers are also the best students. What are some of the most profound lessons being a teacher has taught you?
0: Hmm. I think again, going back to understanding that everyone learns differently. I mean, I just think that when teachers really, really get that. Um, They are just, it's just such a difference in, in these kids' lives. I mean, if you just teach how you learn, that doesn't work. And so that's, you know, when I got my master's, that was something that I focused on. I know it's a, kind of obnoxious word to throw out there, but metacognition was like, that was such an aha moment for me, you know, understanding how you learn. And I try and teach my kids that, you know, having them understand that. And when they when they get that and they can figure out how they do that, I mean, it's just so much easier for them when they're not struggling, you know, trying to figure out how to learn. You know, in this generation of technology, you can't teach like you used to teach if you've been doing this a long time. You have to have to change with the times or you're going to be struggling and fight, you know, most of your time is going to be fighting against kids just not wanting to do what you're doing. You got to, you have to kind of put a little show and dance on for them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> and make yeah. it fun and laugh at yourself. Cause I make a fool of myself all the time. So, and they, they, they know that they know that I'm, I'm just Miss Elman. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, Jamie, yeah. inc- incredible to hear you talk about your craft. I know I would have loved have been in your class and yeah like Aww,
0: thank you
1: can't, a one-size-fits-all teaching approach is it's not going to be the best when you look at each student um yeah. so great to hear hear these insights we're the juice if you've listened this far <laughs> thanks for being here uh and yeah jamie anything you want to leave any teachers who've been listening
0: with no just we're almost there we almost did it yeah, that's right <laughs>